Hey, everybody. Welcome to the new Conversations in Groove podcast. You might ask yourself, what are Conversations in Groove? Well, we're going to find out what your groove is and what a lot of my friends' grooves are. Like, what do they do? Play music? Are, are, they, are, they, are they actors? Are they in TV and film? I don't know, but you're going to find out. And the cool thing is, it's all live right here from Earth Tones Recording Studio. So, welcome to the Conversations in Groove podcast. Welcome to uh, episode three of the Conversations in Groove podcast. And this week, um, or this episode, I shall say, my um, most awesome guest, and uh, she's very gracious for setting aside her time to do this, is the one and only Miss Lucy Woodward, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only. (laughs) The crowd goes wild. So how have you been, ma'am? Oh, boy. That's a heck of well, a question, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And in the beginning of the pandemic, I heard every podcast was like, so how are you doing? And everyone, it was like 20 minutes of COVID talk. Right. And so we're not going to do that because uh-uh. we're on the other end of it. And also it's really boring. <laughs> totally boring. So I'm doing, I'm doing well considering... It's been a crazy year, awesome. but I'm actually good. Well, I know that speaking of COVID, the crazy thing is that I, we, we, I'll just, this will be a brief synopsis on my part and, and I promise I won't talk long. We did a record in here. Uh, I, I recorded you and uh, Charlie Hunter and Doug Belote. And this was a year ago, January. And that was for me, the beginnings of any inklings of COVID. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember that because you guys were, you were in the process of trying to reschedule or cancel this tour that you had in China. And it was only in China that we knew of at the time. And I remember the first day you guys came in, you were so stressful. Oh, it was crazy, right? And you guys were, you guys were, I, I talked to Charlie about this on his episode. Um, you guys were canceling in real time this tour or trying to manage this tour in real time and figure out what to do. And I told him it was, it was amazing to me to see that inner workings because you guys are a very independent band as far as your bookings and as far as all your stuff. Um, You know, and it's not like you could call management and, you know, just say, hey, take care of all this and let us know how it goes. It's like you guys were actively, you know, managing and canceling this tour in real time. And when I think about the beginning of COVID myself, I think about that day um, that you guys were coming in here and I could all probably almost go to my calendar and mark it, unfortunately, that's, you know, it's not all I think about for that session, but you know, <laughs> when people have like COVID timelines about stuff, then I, I, that is mine. I could go to that and go like, that's the first that I would have had any sort of, that that's the first that I would have had any sort of like benchmark as to when it technically started for me. And it was way, that was way earlier than most people, you know, because we all kind of, you know, went by, 
the news here. And then you guys actually went and did dates after that in Europe, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I think that was about like, it was like the week of January 25th or January 26th. And a few, we were about to go to China and Japan, like maybe two weeks later or something and, or three weeks later, something like that. And, um, and, uh, yeah, we were just deciding if we should cancel because China had canceled. We were also also supposed to go to Japan and it was just a lot of like, what if, and is it really going to go to Japan? And is this a bad idea? Will we get stuck there? We had already been hearing cases of people not getting out. So we had to really, I mean, it was such a night. It would have been my first time there with him and, um, it's such a big trip and you kind of have to weigh out things and think about what is a pandemic in our life. We've only read about it in textbooks. So we don't know what that's going to be like. And the news was terrible. Anyway. So we all experienced our own thing. It's such a funny timeline that we all had like my last catastrophe was nine 11 and you know exactly where you are that day. So we did go to Europe and when we were, um, we got to, did a few countries and we got to Italy for four dates. And after two dates, the last two dates were canceled and we got shipped home. And that was the beginning of the next 80 dates being canceled. Pretty unbelievable. So, it's crazy. So there it is. I know. But yeah. we, in the meantime, we still finished this record. We were doing a record. We decided to not put it out last year because it just seemed like so much political stuff going on and cultural stuff going on. There was so much unrest in the U S and it just didn't feel right to put out this record. It just, fe I felt like we're just a record. Who cares? There's so many bigger problems going on. Exactly. So we waited. So, um, and uh, obviously many fires still have to be put out, but we are in, in, in the world, in the U S uh, that's ongoing, but we uh, will re start releasing this record in the coming months. Yeah. And um, I'm glad we waited to be honest. Yeah. You guys were, you guys were sort of, my you were like the the first you were probably the first record that was put on hiatus from the beginning of that thing for for me um because there and and there were there were a lot of them there was a there was a probably a it's i mean it's not like i cut a lot of records after the whole thing started but i mean you you guys were you guys were one big record. I was looking forward to coming out and we were all on that timeline and, you know, had that, had that sort of general release date in mind. And, but, but, you know, the crazy thing is I didn't, it wasn't like I was like pushing, like you said, there were so many other things going on. It wasn't like I was pushing for, you know, Hey, when is this record going to come out? You know, why aren't no. you, why aren't you releasing the record? I mean, it's like everybody obviously knew. And then there were so many, there were so many I'd done right before then that basically had, even if they got released, like you said, it's just, a, it's in the scheme of things, it's just a record and you really. It's just a record. We're yeah. such, we're just grains of sound really yeah. in a big picture and there's so much going on. And I mean, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a humbling situation for all of us. Really. So moving forward, speaking about the record and not moving backwards, speaking about it. So mm -hmm. let's talk about, we did a record in here last January, a year ago, last January, you, Charlie Hunter and Doug Belote and mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what you, with all that time in between, talk to me a little bit about what you remember 
about that. It's so weird to go back in time when I listen to records that I've done two or three years or I go back to the sessions, the Pro Tools sessions, and I listen to them. I can remember things, but I don't think I've ever cut a record and had it been this long, no matter what the issue is, but had it been this long for any kind of release date. So I ask you, I'm in here every day, so I can go like, oh yeah, it uh, it was a record amongst many that I did, and this is kind of what we did. What do you recall about, you know, the whole vibe of that record and cutting it and doing it that you remember? Well, Charlie and I had been, what was that? So that was 2020, (laughs) Um, seems like five years ago. Um, And we had been touring pretty much straight since 2018. So we had done so much on the road and we would kind of make up um, songs and, and grooves and ideas in our long van rides until soundcheck. And, um, we get to, we drive for five, six hours, whatever, sometimes less, sometimes more. And we would decide, let's, let's try this song tonight. And we'd get to soundcheck and pick a key and pick a groove and just, and then like play it that night. So that was how we rolled in our whole improv world or not improv world. I mean, there's a lot of improv, but in the sense of um, how we sculpted who we are and what we do. I do my own thing. Charlie does his own thing, but together it was kind of a new thing. And so we, um, that was an adventure kind of every day on the road. So by the time we got to the studio, we knew uh, maybe 90% of the tunes that we were going to do. And the last couple, we just sort of tried in the studio where we had, you know, rehearsed a little bit and like, we haven't done this live yet, but let's just record it because it's funky and it's a great lyric and let's just do it. So, right. so there was a lot of experimenting um, in the studio while um, there had been a lot of things that had been really hashed out on the road. So there was a nice balance where normally when I go make a record, well, I guess there's a, always every record is a little bit of both. You've I've always been someone to make a record and then I go on the road and I perform the heck out of it for however long. Right. And that was, that was what this, most of, most of this record was like that, but there were a handful of songs that there was like not a lot of experience live. And I know as a singer, that's how I work um, things out, how I figure out how to sing things. How do I figure out if there's an audience reaction or what the buttery notes are, what the notes I need to not do. So I remember getting to experiment with some some of those things in the studio. Um, But it was uh, coming there, you know, Charlie's my bro and Doug, uh, you know, is my other brother. And we just like, we spent so much time in the road together. So it's like an old boo boot, (laughs) an old boo. (laughs) It's like two old boots, not saying they're old. We're like two old boots. So we just throw on and just hit the road with. So that's why it was very, it's, we're very comfortable with each other, obviously. Oh, that's stupid. So that, 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 that's something different, like going and making other studio records. Um, it's, you know, it's like, it can, it might be fragmented. It might be pulling in people and you've played with them all or they're your friends, but um, it doesn't, I've never really like been on the road for two years and then go make a record. So right. it's really different kind of thing for me. I'm sure. I think Charlie's done that a gazillion times, but I haven't. You guys cut this so live, which was amazing to me to watch in the studio. The, I mean, you know, you, we had you in a vocal booth, you know, isolated and you guys were cutting the whole thing. You know, you were pretty much running it down 
live. And what I like was I think Doug maybe had a click track in his ear, but you guys didn't. So it really had a, you know, there, there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of trickery or editing or or anything no trickery benji none none. no i think that doug maybe a couple of songs he started i mean i call a click i call a click trickery so a click in his Uh, ear wasn't yeah a clickery clickery Clickery. (laughs) so (laughs) i think a couple of songs because it really there's some songs that like well charlie is a walking metronome he's he taught me about how to try to attempt to be a walking metronome too so it's some of those songs. There's such a, there's such a slight like BPM difference. If it's two clicks too slow or two clicks too fast, it's like no, the you know the the pocket just feels different. So that's yeah. why it was like really good for us to just because we were doing these takes live. So we needed to make sure that we were in the pocket from the get go. And um, of course things could sway. We weren't really chopping things and editing. So we of course things could sway. But starting off to get that solid pocket. That was important. So that's like kind of the only reason we used click. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the crazy thing is too, with um I know one of the songs and I couldn't tell you which one it is. If I pulled them up and listened, I could probably tell you. And I remember one of the songs, I had never had this happen before. One of the songs, Charlie had me take his whole track you know his instrument goes to however many tracks two or three you know with his bass doing one thing and his guitar doing the other thing um take his whole track and we slid it back it was like it was like 10 10 milliseconds we slid it backwards in time and it sat in the pocket Uh, i think it was well maybe i shouldn't say I just don't remember either. And I don't, don't want to say it because I think on one song, I may have done that with my vocal also, and it just felt better. And it was a different song. So sometimes you just go like this, or maybe one section of it. And it's like, Ting. yeah. And something just sits. And then you can only strive to practice. Like if you go and perform it live or start getting that pocket into your head, you know, and uh, it's, it's like an, it's like a goal to, sit that laid back in it's like the tiniest smidgen yeah which, and it's amazing and it's amazing make a difference. and i kind of and and learning that like watching watching that to me the one thing that you have to the one thing that you have to be to be able to even do a trick like that like we're, it, for people who don't know i'll just briefly explain like in there's a software that we use called that i use called pro tools there's a million of them and you see these little squiggly wave looking things on the screen and that's your audio recorded so you can take any section of that and you can move it around in time. You can move it forwards or backwards against like I can move the guitar forwards or backwards and leave the drums where they're at. So we took Charlie's guitar and bass track and we moved it just ever so slightly like 10 milliseconds backwards in time, the whole thing. And what's amazing is to be able to do that. That's not something I could do with everybody to be able to do that. He had to have played the whole song so consistently in time that Mm -hmm you don't hear any of that time shift. And mm-hmm. that is where you realize that you're dealing with the big a walking boys. metronome. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you, but you, but you, I, I realize as an engineer, the level of musicianship that I'm working with when you guys are in here, when I can do something like that or, you know, and, and that's the thing is working, working with that. And I pull these tracks up. It's so, they're very organic sounding. Everything is very live. Your vocals are very much, you know, very much live takes. Uh, I mean, live takes, but at the same time, 
it's not it's not anything where we went in you know and m- manipulated a lot of stuff with any parts of anything that you guys did i mean and and it's no i mean i think sometimes like you know i'm not like i well i remember the first time someone put auto tune on my voice like when i was doing demos for i don't know Britney Spears or something many moons ago and i remember hey we'll have to get to we'll have to get to that story (laughs) oh my god (laughs) beginning of my career and i remember i was doing demo and someone's like put i was singing pitchy and they put on auto-tune and i was like what's that and then i at first i was like offended that they were using this thing i can sing it again i can sing it not pitchy and they're like no no no, it's cool because it was an effect also so but so i've never really been afraid of melodyne or um auto-tune because sometimes you sing something and the emotion is there but the pitch might not be there right and that's the live aspect of it so yeah you can leave it really pitchy and like wince every time you hear it or the emotion is there the emotion is more important to me than than the pitch so if sometimes an emotion is in a tone that that can't be duplicated sometimes again so i don't really mind pitching a little note i'm not going to act like i'm a perfect singer like at all so i don't mind it that's like that's the kind that's the kind of little trickery that we did if anything but i think a lot of singers i don't know that we did i don't know that we did any of any of i i I don't i I know i know that we edited we edited takes but yeah we can't uh, you know i think how we did it was like we would make one i think we probably sang the song down three times or so and then we pick our basic rhythm track whatever sound the best yep sometimes think a couple of songs we even did it just twice yep and then i did some vocals and then we comped them and sometimes we use pieces of the live take and sometimes i don't know i like to get in there i'm a little i like to get in there and really focus on the vocal singing it sometimes after the fact because i know what the spirit feels like yeah and and once you have the once you know what the committed bed track that you're singing against is it's a little easier to go okay now i know this is what we're keeping you know this is the keeper take of the drums and the and the and the guitar the drums and the bass or whatever and now i now i know what i have to work with and you can go in and deliver it two or three different ways and kind of go all right can i what now 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 i can listen to it two or three different deliveries in this one section and figure out what i want to keep or use Mm -hmm. or how this ends up being Okay, so talking about your talking about this record, tell do you, do you guys have a um do you guys have a title for it yet? Oh yeah, it's called "I'm a Stranger Here." Oh. I, the album is "I'm a Stranger Here" because the first single, which was out uh, in late April, um, is "Stranger Blues," which is a song by Elmore James, and the opening line is "I'm a stranger." here and i just blown in your town and it's kind of a cool lyric because we only sang that song maybe a couple times live really maybe four times live and we sing that song on tour and we go on tour and we always feel like a stranger yet we're always kind of warmed warmly welcomed yet we just blow through the town and then move on to the next town so strangely that fit that fit our vibe yeah, and that's why we picked that song. And it's such a funky song. Oh my god, it's so funky. It's ridiculous. So funky. <laughs> I know. Thank you. It is. It's so. It's uh, the whole. The whole record is. I mean, but um, but that I know that that song. If if 
if I, I that to me that song is like the epitome of that of that record. It's got that percolating funky thing. It's got that you got some gravel in that percolating vocal. percolating <laughs> funk. That is the keyword. It really, really is. That is a good. I'm gonna write that down, and I might have to create a hashtag with that one because that's a percolating <laughs> funk. Go ahead. Keep talking. Keep You're welcome. You're it. welcome. You're welcome for that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, totally percolating. And, and as Charlie would say, disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> totally. Like, disgusting. Totally disgusting. And it, and it, and it, uh, you know, and that whole, you know, that whole week, it was, it was just so funky. It was fun. So hopefully we can, uh, hopefully now that things are getting somewhat back to normal, we can, uh, we can, do that again or get you coming through town somehow and uh i know and and the 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 coolest part um not the coolest part but one of the cool parts for me was on the after you guys had finished all the tracking then you did a gig here in town you guys did one at the carolina theater it was like the right at the end of it i think miwi was still in town Mm -hmm. um miwi la lupa he played um a lot of, I think he calls it a bass trumpet. Um, it sounds like a kind of a lighter trombone in a way. Um, but he played on a lot of the record and he also sang backgrounds. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, he's such a special dude. So he was in town and we, 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 we knew we were going to do that. We're going to have a heavy recording week and then do a concert at the end of the week. And that was so... Um, we're all a little bit burnt and fried, but it felt really good to just like play it all live. Yeah. To the point that I was still holding, I still had lyrics on stage because some of the songs were so fresh. (laughs) It was so good though. I mean, in the, in the, I, I, I don't forget about it, but I mean, when I look at the, um, obviously when I look at the title of the record, you know, and it's you and, and, and Charlie, as far as like the, 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 the band name, you Mm -hmm. know, and then I, don't necessarily forget, but I it's 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 easier for me to just skip right over the guests that were on the record, you know, and and oh, no, so there was um there was Miwi well, and I'm, there was Deshaun on pedal steel. Deshaun Heckman, yep, and he played on Stranger Blues, and yes. so he killed it. So he's on this first single as well. And the crazy thing is too that I totally forgot about until last week was um. Shelby J. Do you remember Shelby coming in? Yeah, she popped in last minute. And Mm -hmm. she sang a line on something. Ain't no love in the heart of the city. Uh, Right, 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 right. That's exactly right. And she was- all those backgrounds. She was on, um, she was on 60 Minutes last week about this Prince record that's coming out. No way. Yeah. And the whole interview was her and one of the producers on that, on that Prince record. And- it kind of hit me when I was talking to Charlie. I was like, wow, Shelby was actually on that record, the, on the record that they did. She popped in that night and did some stuff. And it, and it went mm-hmm. sort of, you know, it was one of those things where I, I get lost in the details of all the stuff. So I, I just. Sure, yeah. It, but anyway, so that record will be, what is your release date for the actual record being done and out? June 11th is the whole album being out. Okay. That and, is going to be fun. And so we're going to release um next we'll do so stranger blues came out and um my level never dies the second single and then end of may will be uh gloomy sunday which is a really different kind of song for this vibe um 
I've always loved this song. It's a Hungarian, originally a Hungarian song from I think the 30s. And um, and a lot of people have done it, Mel Torme and uh, all sorts of people have done it. But Charlie had this cool idea for this sort of arpeggio vibe and we just, just sang it. And then Miwi played a solo on it and it's just kind of dark and crazy. And my brother directed uh, a video for it, which you and Charlie sent in footage of you, of, of Charlie playing. Yeah. Yeah. I hung, I hung up a big black screen here, a black backdrop. And I have the black backdrop is still in here in my, uh, in my side room rolled up on a, on a big wooden, uh, rod. I got, I just got, I figured, you know, if I'm going to order a, get a black backdop, I might as oh, well you'll get use a that again, massive sure. one. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And so, yeah. And then me, we, sent in some footage from him in Omaha in the woods playing a solo outside. Oh, did he really? So I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen any footage yet. So I filmed this, I was staying at my brother's in New York, um, a couple months ago and, um, we were in the woods and we kind of like went, walking in a swamp and the snow had just melted and it was like really dreary. And so we did a cool video. So I haven't seen anything yet, but I will. You sent me and, a couple uh, of pictures from where you guys photos, were shooting. Yeah. So just photos mm-hmm. and I haven't seen any of the footage, but the photos, if the, nope. if the photos are any kind of idea or inkling of how cool the footage yeah. is going to be, it's going to be really yeah. super cool. So yeah. uh, I'm excited about that. Then we're going to release some, um, you're the one that I want. Oh, you're really? <laughs> We're going to release this. And I have a couple of ideas for a video that I'm going to make. I haven't told Charlie yet, but by the time he hears this, he'll, he'll know. <laughs> don't tell, don't but, tell him. Just do one and put it out and don't tell him. Don't ask for Yeah, exactly. Don't ask for, uh, what is it? Uh, don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sure. I, so, I'm going to do that. So, And then we'll release it in June. So That's awesome. And I will put um, in the... Uh, in the in the video link you will see I will have your I will have your website. What is your website? Not we're not going anywhere anytime soon, but what is your Lucywoodward.com. Lucywoodward.com. And so now mm-hmm. that we've talked about everything that you're everything that you've worked on, you know, pre shutdown and all this stuff, let's talk about and I always this is just one question in podcasts that drives me nuts because it always leads about, okay, Zeus, tell us where you came from. You know, but at the <laughs> same time in in my world, you know, and knowing knowing Charlie as a player, and then you know he tells me, "Oh, I've got this singer Lucy Woodward," and it's like I I'm I'm disconnected from things going on. So as opposed to feeling like you came out of nowhere, tell us where you um, tell us how Oof. your career sort of originated. If you want to, you, you can. I, I and and I'm I'm so bad at catching up on this stuff. Like I have to play catch up on on that. So um, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying I'm I'm bad about it because I'm in here. Like I say, I'm in my world and I'm working all the time in here. So I am bad about keeping up with like, oh great, I meet this person and this is where we're at right now because I just met you today. I don't look back. You know, it's really hard for me to go like, oh, where'd you come from? So. So talk about your career because you told me some things as we met about um told me some things about your you called it your you called it like your pop career, you know, and I was like, "What?" Oh. you know, and so I want you to tell me I want you to tell me that trajectory uh, you know, as as comfortable as you can and and kind of where how you got to the point of this record that we're talking about now. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> well, I will make it brief because yeah. I feel I was just telling my boyfriend this the other day. I feel like only 10 years ago or so I really started listening like with my ears. Yeah. And I feel like maybe in another 10 years, I'll say the same thing again. I mean, feel, I feel like right now I feel like I'm just listening. So I'm just so, so I feel like when I, whatever music I made in my 20s, of course, it's all, you know, or early 20s is like all important because it's all important. It makes us who we are, you know, but I feel like I really only started listening like 10 years ago. And then I said it again the other day. I was like, I feel like my ears just opened. So I, anyway, that being said, um, I grew up in New York city with my mom or New York and then New York city, in my teenage years in the Bronx and um, went to public high school in the Bronx. And I visited my dad in Holland my entire life because they, we lived in, Amsterdam when I was a kid, really little. And all my summers were with my dad. So I grew up in New York and Holland my whole life. And they were both classical musicians. Um, no pop in the house, nothing like that. It was just a lot of opera. My mother was also a belly dancer. So there was a lot of Middle Eastern music in the house. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was really crazy. I just wanted her to be like, can you just be a doctor or like... <laughs> Something normal. This is so dumb. You could be a stupid belly dancer. And she'd like bring my lunch to school if I forgot it at home. And she'd come like dressed in like freaking belly dance. Anyway, I mean, she's wearing clothes. She would just go to like her Friday uh, night great. job, but she's dressed up in a wig and makeup. And I was so embarrassed. And everyone was in the class like, oh, that's your mother. She's so cool. Anyway, it was terrible. But it's kind of fun. Um, so we, um, so I grew up in a very musical household, but it wasn't anything what I do now. And I um, obviously did plays and I played the flute and I, I, I was in orchestras and I was like a little classical nerd. And then when I was 12, I started singing. Um, and I said, I'm 12, I'm in the seventh grade. I know what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. It was a different, you know, it was a strong feeling. So um, I, I guess I moved, I went to Manhattan School of Music that dropped out because it was kind of too much jazz that they made me do. I wasn't like, I loved singing it, but I wasn't like a bebopper. And I basically hit the streets, joined cover bands, started writing songs. I started singing jingles. I started singing backup for other people. I started singing on movie soundtracks. I just became your New York session singer at a really young age, wedding bands. Um, and I was probably like 20 or, and then I, I remember still waiting tables. And then I finally was able to like make enough where I was like, okay, I don't have to wait tables anymore. This is so cool. Um, so I've always, that's what I always did. And then I got my, I'll just jump forward. I'd got my first deal in Atlantic records, which was a big pop deal, MTV, Jay Leno touring Japan, um, the whole thing. Oh, and wow. So I'm sure we can find all this. this. Yes. I'm sure we can find all this footage on. Um, well, you know what? Some of it's not. It's kind of like 2003. So some of it won't. You won't even be able to find because there wasn't really a YouTube world then. There certainly weren't socials. Yeah. But anyway, no one needs to find this stuff. It's fine. I was just joking. Um, <laughs> I was gonna but, see. Um, I was gonna see your reaction to me saying, "Yeah, let's all let's go dig up all that all that no. footage of your first of your first stuff." Listen, though, you know what? I mean, I, it's I, I I say this as if I'm like, please make that part of my life go away. But I learned so much as a mid twenty something or early twenties writing songs for these records, 
working with Abe Laboreal Jr. and Kenny Aronoff and Pino Palladino and John Shanks and all, that was my first album at Henson Studios in LA. So my world was like, I was exposed to so many amazing musicians. I learned so much just from their watching. I mean, how you know, how we Shanks talk about words is, Shanks something. is the real deal. Shanks. I mean, not that any, nice. not that any any of the other people that you didn't, but I know he's. I mean, well, Shanks he's, produced, and he's still. I mean, he's still. Oh no, he's rocking. killing it. Yeah, he 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 was. Um, he we had been writing songs for years. So then when I finally got um, a record deal, it was a no brainer. He produced the bulk of the record, and then um, he brought in, he brought in all those guys. He had a room at Henson, so we. Um, that was what life was for me for a month or two. And, um, but it was a different kind of record. We, I'd written a lot of the songs, some with him, some with other friends. And their songs were basically, I think for the most part, they were all finished before we got to the studio. So then it was just a matter of let's make the best, you know, backdrop and production. And the, he's a- At that time, cause it's really hard for me to think about timeframes with like, you know, what you would call pop music. How, how much of your sessions for that record and that, and that writing and stuff that you were doing early on with that deal, how much of that was real? I mean, I say real, how much of that was actual musicians and were, was there a lot of it sequenced? That was very early. That was very early Pro Tools days. So there were live drums on everything. Oh yeah, that's what I that's what I figured. Yeah. I figured it was still at that point before the crossover into hey, we can do a whole record in the box no. and we don't have to, you know. So that's no, we we had. I mean, there was nothing programmed in the drums world. Um, it was Kenny and um, Kenny Aronoff and Abe Laboreal Jr. and um, Denny Weston is another great drummer. He played in a couple of songs out there that I worked with another producer, Kevin Kadish, who turned into developing and writing all the songs for Megan Trainer, all about that bass, about that bass. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> and so, yeah, so we did a lot of writing together as well. So, but there were all drums. Maybe there were, I mean, maybe a couple songs had a little bit of loopy things, but well, maybe the drum was taken and chopped up. Maybe. No, that was just, like I say, that's just my curiosity because I, yeah, I know that I, early I think when that. I got, I think when I got into the, when I got into the, Pro Tools world as far as recording, I was, I was, I was pretty early on, maybe ninety nine, two thousand ish, and it was really just another recording m medium at that time. It had not gotten mm -hmm. to the point of really doing records, so having so much yeah. of it produced in the box or anything like that. So that's mm -hmm. just my curiosity at that level and at that time. Mm -hmm. I I would mm -hmm. be curious, and I always. I, I see you on Instagram and Henson Studios, and that's like hmm. doing doing what I do and seeing you know some of these legendary rooms and you know reading about them and you know interviews with other people and in magazines and things like that. And then I see my friends actually in those rooms, and I like, oh, I I hear you, high roller, you know. And then <laughs> you will say, hey, I'm in here it's, all the time. <laughs> I've been coming in here for well, years. Well, I mean, it's it's um. <laughs> I, you know, I feel really fortunate. One of my best friends is the general manager now, and I've been recording there on and off for like, I gotta say 20 years, pretty much, you know, so, um, or more. So I've always brought different projects there and I feel like, I mean, yeah, I, that's so it's cool. It's a really special, special room, yeah. um, special studio. So I, I put out that, that, that was a song called dumb girls. And I did a video on like the, um, 
the Back to the Future lot at Universal Studios. Oh yeah, remember the Back to like where the clock is? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did a video right there. <laughs> anyway, so there was a lot of amazing things. Anyway, Excellent. so that, that so was, was that really your different... was that your first single from that deal? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you do not need to play that song on this podcast. I am not going to. I'm still trying to figure. I'm so I'm so new to the podcast game. I'm trying to figure out the music licensing. So the only music that you hear on it now is a is a is a bumper uh, song that I did just sitting in my little control yeah, room with guitar need. and stuff like that. So if anybody says, that's "Hey, whose need. music is that?" I'm like, "It's mine." You want to fight about it? So, no, it's uh, all. Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. That's all you need. Like so, but I will gladly put links to those things if people want to watch them. No thanks. <laughs> I just want to see okay. your face about that. No, and like you said, you can't. I mean, you look back on your past, and it's like you know, you can't. You're, you're, you wouldn't. Like you said, you would not be. You wouldn't be here if not for all, all that stuff. Listen, so I learned so much, and those people are all my friends still. Shanks, I, I work. I was in um, L.A. a few months ago, and I always text John when I'm in town, I was like, hi, boo, I'm in town, want to see each other. And everyone's in COVID, but he's always working on a record. And he's like, yeah, come over tomorrow. I'm working on a Doobie Brothers record. So <laughs> it's like, and and that happened a, f- a couple of years ago. Come over, I'm working on Barbra Streisand. So, and he was the one, like he put me on Celine Dion records and Joe Cocker was my first big background session. I, he wasn't there, but he, but it was like my first, like wow this is so cool i was so young and on a joe cocker record that's all john shanks so that's crazy we have a great relationship of making music together but also him hiring me as a backup singer. he does a lot of current country stuff too right doesn't isn't he in that world yeah. also and yes. i know that he Keith also Urban, yeah. well the crazy thing is too where i really where his name sort of came into my um sort of came into my world was reading about him producing that last Van Halen record that they all did mm. together. He either, mm-hmm. he either engine, I think he, I think he co-produced it or produced it. And then seeing that, you know, of course, reading, reading about that and just some various uh, articles or interviews and then, and then seeing all the rest of the stuff that he was doing, he wasn't just, he had, you know, he he wasn't like a classic rock producer that had been kind of slogging it out with all these guys, and they just got him to do this record. I I, I saw all the rest of the stuff. So hearing you talk about, you know, everything that he's done, that's kind of cool. Well, and working and you working with him too, that's just that's cool. I so, learned so much from him. I mean, the focus and stacking background vocals and hearing inner harmonies and you know it was a really different time um where we were making records that we would do that and then as i got older and i made more and more records i love to stack harmonies i loved it loved it i still love it and then and on this charlie record i do that maybe on two songs like ring my bell and ain't no love in the heart of the city right but most but the last few years i've not been stacking backgrounds and anyway this is just such singer dork stuff but <laughs> no um, no no but back in the day it was like you know with with um with um with 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 uh john it was like sing the melody then maybe a double so you can thicken it in some places and then sing a third and a fifth and then an octave above and i love singing octaves underneath and i there was a whole character that i created named doris and she was a really low she sang like (laughs) and i still love singing down (laughs) and i I was like that's doris so i actually gave doris a credit on that but she she that was my girl and (laughs) That's but so funny. That's great. I, I feel like I've always, I think I learned 
learned a lot of that from like the jingle world. It's like you have to yeah. one day you go in and you're you have to, can you do a Macy Gray thing or can you do a Billy Holiday thing or a Bjork thing and um can you do a, come up with a character where you're all three of those people and um you know you learn so much about color and tone and controlling it. You said you know? a you said a key thing in that last sentence. You said character and that's mm-hmm. I know that I have. I have done songs the same way that you're talking about as far as for advertising or for commercials or something like that. I remember doing a song for a, um, I remember doing a theme song and a, uh, for, there's a soccer team here that's like a, they would be considered like a, they're not like a, they're like a minor league. They're like a feeder league for the, the major league soccer or whatever. They're affiliated with one of the teams. So they needed a, they needed like a theme song for, um, for at their stadium so when they scored a goal or they did whatever they just needed a theme song so my Mm -hmm. thing is for like for that it's the same thing you're talking about with character stuff you have to you have to go okay if i'm gonna make it sound like a gang of soccer hooligans and i have to do all the voices i have to be the drunk guy i have to be the lady i have to be the you know i have to be me then i have to be a kid then i have to be and you stack them and you stack them all up you know and you really have to go like okay i'm going to play a character here mm-hmm. and so you know that and that's like that's the fun part i mean if you were just yourself all the time like who cares <laughs> no, yeah. who cares yeah. but no, you're just like when you're in a studio no one's seeing you it's like have a it's a playground like your voice can be a playground and i i i give a lot of workshops for singers and things and i I'm always saying like, dig into those other colors because everybody has different colors and people want to know how to dig in. I'm like, just listen to records, just listen yeah. to records and imitate, imitate. Doesn't mean you're ever going to sound like, you know, Robert Plant. Doesn't mean you're ever going to sound like, your voice isn't going to change where you're going to be unrecognizable, but you learn about how to build air in your voice or rasp or to control the rasp or you know, and that's just color. That's not even range, you know? So there, there's so yeah. many, it's really deep, you know, and then yeah. you got to take care of yourself and you can hurt yourself. So it's, it's doing it right. But yeah. sometimes it's like a, it's like an athlete. I always like tell people it's like, it's like an athlete training for a marathon. You can't just really do it overnight. You got to build up those muscles and learn how to get hurt and then pick yourself your, up yourself again and do it and push yourself and, you know, you're not just you're not going to build any muscles without a little bit of pain. I yeah. don't mean physical hurt. I mean you got to just push a little bit. So in yeah. a healthy way, stretching, yeah. warming up, cooling down, all that. Yeah. So I'm an, yeah. I had I had actually seen you perform before I met you, but I didn't know that I had seen you perform before I met you because I didn't realize who your previous boss was and. If you can, if you can tell people a bit about that, that was a, that was a, um, that was a really cool, uh, that was a really cool story to find out, uh, whose band you had been in. And I will let you tell people briefly about that. Well, you just jumped ahead about from that first record. Oh, dang it. 20 years. Dang it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you right now. Little, little jump because I cannot go from dumb girls to Rod Stewart. (laughs) No, no, no. I just can't because my life actually I grew up in that time, you know, meaning like I actually became a singer and in that time. And so, which is leads you to Rod, you know, he hires, he's a singer, singer. He's not just an entertainer. He is a singer, singer. So if I didn't go through the 20 years, 
you know, um, right. I wouldn't have ever gotten that. I wouldn't, no, and that's okay. Cover the 20 years. I totally jumped. Oh, I'm not going to really like, go yeah. to 20. <gasps> well, you, you know, can cover I, it I mean, I, you can cover it fast though. Cause there's a lot of things in there. Like you said, yeah, you can't I mean, throw them away and just jump. No, I, I think that I was, I'll this, keep like, you here all day. World. I don't, I, I got plenty of time. I just, don't <laughs> I was in this cock world and I, I was like, you know, got radio the whole thing. And then it kind of went away really fast and A&R guy gets fired, president gets fired, whatever. And I had, I had a lot of, I'd been saving my money from royalties from the radio. So I used all that money and just put it back into my career and made a new record with my then boyfriend in our basement, put out an indie record. And through that, I got another record deal with Verve Records. And I did kind of a I was kind of finding my sound, like who I really was outside of the major label world of, um, you know, the big, that was also the the beginning of the end of where people made money in the music industry, you know, like that 2003, four period. So now was kind of the the new world. Now I was on Verve, it's a jazz label. There's not a lot of money. Um, You gotta make records really fast. And so I did a record with Tony Visconti, and uh, who did a lot of David Bowie and then Lizzie and Paul McCartney. And so we had a ball together. It was great, but it was very quick. Had to make this record in a few weeks and get it mixed and the whole thing. And um, well, I guess compared to Charlie's and my record, we did that record in four days. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess now, exactly. yeah, that's, that's quick. It's gone full circle. <laughs> it's gone. Because the, the old records, I mean, back in the 60s, it's like they just roll a band in and cut them in two days, cut them and mix them in two days and be done, exactly. you know, and it's yep. kind of... You know, uh, anyway, continue. I don't yeah. want to cut you off. So we, so then um, I, my whole kind of world opened and I realized, oh, wow, this is cool. I'm an adult now. I'm singing to adults. I'm not singing for a 14-year-old audience anymore. Now I have to treat myself like I'm an adult and I'm I'm an adult. I'm singing at jazz festivals. And so, so this is those years. And then during that time, I, I've been I've been on a lot of different labels and been thrown around a lot and dropped and signed. And so it's a very different machine and it's a very different machine then and now and what the music industry is now. But, um, without going down that road, that's another podcast. Oh my gosh. No kidding. Um, but I remember, um, when I had just left Verve because a president had come in and taken over and did everyone got the chopping block kind of thing. Um, I had been offered to, I get a call from my, um, friend Conrad Korsh, who was Rod Stewart's bass player. And he says, hey, I'm in LA. I was living in LA. Goes, I'm, I'm in LA, I'm recording with Rod. Um, we're, we're need a backup singer. Can you be here in like, you know, an hour to come sing on this song? He's, I also want, he's like, I also want you to meet him because one of the backup singers is pregnant and she's leaving for the year, nine months or something. Can you um, come and fill in? And I was like, well, let me just go sing on this record and think about that. Cause I was still an artist and I was still like wanting to write songs and make records and go on tour. But in the meantime, I was kind of in between, I don't think I was quite not on Verve yet, but I was in that in-between period. And so I said to Conrad, I was like, um, okay, I have a, I'm on my way to the dentist right now. So can I be there in like three hours, not one hour? And he was like, no, you have to come now. It's Rod Stewart. You are coming now. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'll be there in three hours. He's like, no, 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 you need to come right now. So I went home, showered, went to the studio, met Rod. He was so lovely. We were working. um, uh, He was working on a couple songs that day. And and, 
And then I guess I got a call to kind of come audition like later that week and like learn some dance moves to see how well I moved and all that. And it sounds so terrible, like a dance audition, but it was really like to see how well I got along with the other singer who was like the section leader and the, you know, the choreographer and, and how well I could pick up harmonies on the spot. So they said, learn, you know, some guys have all the luck, learn, um, if you want my body and you think I'm sexy, you know, that one, and like maybe another song and see how well I pick up harmonies, how well my my ear adapts to the situation. So that was, that was fun because that's all just like so much fun for me right. to do. Right. So um, I did that gig, um, got the job and I had to make some decisions in my life. Like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go in and take this job and be a backup singer. And I was in between deals. I was in between like ideas, uh, ideas and records. And well, what is my next record? I mean, I, I maybe I need to go like make some, like take a job and make some money and then, then you know, save up for that and make your next record. You know, you know what you right. love to do. Right. And I was like, maybe I just need a break. I need a break from steering the bus all the time, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So it was a big thing. I, um, and I honestly, I don't, I don't have any regrets. I mean, Rod is an amazing boss. We're still friends to this day. We talk about future collaborations together still. Um, and um, he always checks in on me, like, how's everything going? And how, you know, he wants to know what, life is like on the outside of the Rod Stewart world. Like, he's so sweet. And then, um, and then, you know, well, I, I stayed there for four and a half years. I learned so much. I saw the world. The band was a family. They're still my best friends, some of them till this day. And uh, I learned so much from him and the world of big time touring, you know, right. at the same time I had worked with, um, um, I had gotten a, um, I'd met up. I'd met, uh, no, I didn't meet. I get this. I was working with Pink Martini. Do you know Pink Martini? Do you know no. this band? I don't really need to get into it, but it, you can edit this out. But um, no, Mike, I'm not gonna, um, I'll go find it. No, there's a band. Okay. There's I'll a, go find it. <laughs> there is a Pink, Pink Martini is a sort of mini orchestra um, band who, you know, it's so layered. So I'm going to actually skip to future life. But That's fine. Um, I was going to ask you also, you were talking about that decision you were talking about that decision at one point and i think a lot of that happens a, a lot of that happens at a certain point in people's careers especially as a musician if you have been billed as yourself and this is what mm -hmm. i do and where do i start to not necessarily collaborate because you'd been collaborating with people the whole time uh, apparently during this solo career collaborating with writing and recording and things like that but it seems like most everything that you're talking about previous to that was all based on your name and you as the performer and mm -hmm. as the artist in the end you know in the end thing and so when it came time for you to make that decision you know that when as soon as i, I started thinking about that as you were talking about it you know how how tough of a decision how tough of a decision was it for you to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose a little yeah. bit of control and I'm going to go work for, I'm going to go work for somebody else now. And like you said, you have no regrets doing it, but how much of a decision was that? I mean, I know it was a major decision, but how, how long did you, how long did you wrestle with that decision of whether to well, do that? Wrestling, I know exactly what you mean. I didn't wrestle with it. I was just like, I'm going to give my, I think I was offered the job 
over Christmas kind of holiday when nothing was going on. And I said, I'm going to give myself as long as I need to answer this. They needed to know within a month. And I think I actually let them know within three weeks. And I didn't wrestle with it. I was just like, I could do this and my whole world will just be changed forever. Right. Or I don't do this. And I don't know. You know, like, I don't know. You know, like, yeah. it's also not about... It's at that point for me, it wasn't like I'd been on like my fourth record deal. I was like, it's not about the record deal anymore. It's about what do you have to say as an artist or a musician or as a songwriter or as a singer? What do you want to sing about? So then it was like, I don't even know what the answer is to that yet. So maybe that was my answer was to go with Rod, make some money. And um, and I just mean when I mean make money, I just mean a salary. Um, while, and let me just go have some out, outside experience of... Um, of just seeing the world and experiencing life and in right. a whole different way, you know? So I, I didn't wrestle with it, but I did give myself about three weeks and then I was like, okay, I'll do it. And by the way, I, they did offer me the sub job for nine months, you know? So I was still only subbing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for a year. Oh, and then okay. at the end of that year, Rod asked me to stay on. So then I stayed gotcha. longer and that was a bigger decision. That was like, you know, I'm having a really great time. I, in the meantime, I had started, writing songs on the planes, like these long plane rides to Europe or something. And I was like, wait a minute, I feel percolations again of song <laughs> ideas and song titles. And I feel like I'm now that, that, that life of that life of mine as an artist is not dead in any way. I'm like, I actually have songs. I still, so I started writing songs on the road and I started writing my next record and um, just before I had joined the Rod Camp, I was working with Michael League from um, Snarky Puppy, who's a bass player, band leader. He is Snarky Puppy, and and uh, he was my bass player. I'd been touring, opening up for Snarky for a long time, on and off, you know, for a couple of years. Right. And then, um, and so I had then then him and my friend Henry Hay, who's a keyboard player of Fork, they produced. Michael and Henry produced my next solo record. So when I knew that that would, which took a few years to write and record because I was on the road with Rod. Right. And between Henry, Mike's, and my schedule, it took a few years to make. Um, and so when it was ready to come out, I had to tell Rod, I have to leave because I got to go do my own thing again. And it was so like, it was such a, that was such a tough decision to do, but I was like, I need to do this. It's like this feeling, these decisions you make from your soul, you have to go, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to end this chapter of my life. And right. so um, I think he really respected that because he knows what it's like to be a, a, a singer trying to do their thing and an artist. And yeah. so um, that was, um, do you hear my boyfriend playing trombone? I do. I think it's awesome. It's not. I, okay. just, I just hear. I just hear a little. Just a little bit of it. It's not bad at all. I, I, that's awesome. It's got to be. That's why these. That's why this. That's why I want this. This podcast to be conversations because I want it to be like whatever you're doing. I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, we're gonna okay. edit that out because it's a conversation. I mean, we're we're literally having a conversation just like we would be talking on the phone or or talking in person with each other about this stuff. Except you know. Okay. As long as you. I think he forgot that I was on this call. No, as long as it's not like no, overpowering. No, no, to no, okay. No, 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 no. I can barely, I can barely make it out between okay. you talking. So it's um, sen it's setting an ambiance. It's, an ambiance. <laughs> it's a vibe. Well, our podcast has this episode three has a vibe now. <laughs> trombone <laughs> Due to the trombone. So um, 
yeah. So that was the, that. So that was the that was the rod. That was the um, that was the rod gig, and it was a big decision to leave. And then you know, I mean, he's come to my shows, my own shows since I left. So oh, has he really? That's it's so all cool. Love. Yeah, that's cool. Particularly this big band show that um, not shows multiple. He's I've gone to his shows. He came to a, about six months after I left, or maybe even a year. Um, he uh, he came he uh, came to my big band show in L.A. and that was that was a, I had like a big little big band show in a club that was about 120 people and he was there with his blonde hair and just la, 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 like catcalling the whole time. It was really fun. <laughs> that's awesome. You that's cannot awesome. miss him in the audience. Really fun. And so uh, in this uh, talking about you doing this solo record when you were still in his band, you mentioned the guys in Snarky Puppy. And it's very cool because those guys are just there. It's, it's funny because my son is 16 and there are kids mm. that are in his class that Snarky Puppy, that's their jam at 16. And mm-hmm. I look at it and I'm like, it's so cool because it's not like they're a, it's not like they're a pop band, but they're they're on this longevity track, you know that they're gonna they're gonna be here. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see that. It's cool to hear you talk about working with them that you know even even that far back, as opposed to people who just know them kind of now and what they and what they do. And I know they've been around. You know, I know that they've been around for a while. And you guys did, uh, you guys, you and Charlie did some touring with them in um, 2019. Yeah. In Europe, right? Yeah, we did um, England and, um, was it England? Yeah, the UK and the, was there another country? UK and Ireland. Yeah. So we, um, we did about 10 days or so with them, maybe yeah. a couple of weeks. And we did Royal Albert Hall, which was amazing. And they just won a Grammy for that that live album from, of that night. Which is I super swear cool. I saw when I saw the um, when I saw the Grammy announcements, I think it was I think it was one of those things where I had to it was one of those where it's a category that's not uh, that's unfortunately not televised. And you have to kind of go online and look it up, you know, to see who won best instrumental or best live, you know, whatever. Those are, those are categories that, you know, there's a hundred categories. They're they're actually always on, but they're always on, but they're in the daytime. So people always think they're never on, but they're always, because we were all on the daytime watching the awards and I've seen daytime because they've been nominated many times. So you can see it in the daytime and there is actual daytime Grammy awards, but you do, you know, it's not the nighttime big, you know, Beyonce Right. Uh, award festival. <laughs> right. You know. So you've done, have you, you've guested on some of their records also like recently or? How well, they, they had a, they had a record called family dinner volume one. And that was their first record where they invited singers, their friends basically up to um, perform a song. So they, that, that was recorded in 2013. And I think that won their, they won their first Grammy from that 2007, 2014. Oh, wow. So, so I've been working with them, I guess, since like 2011 or 12. And then there's a song called too hot to last that, um, that I sang in that concert. And, um, I, I mean, I sang that song for a long time, whether it's with them or my own bands or, you know, really, really cool song. I recorded it again i did it with them kind of 
slow and kind of baritone guitar style. Really, really cool. And then I recorded it for um, the uh, the record that I put out, out on on Ground Up Records, which is Michael League's label. And I did that same song with a whole backdrop of trombone horns. It was like a trombone choir, the same song, but just oh, like that's trombones. Cool. So really, really, really cool. And I just knew I had this like love for horns. So a lot of that, that record is like heavy, heavy horns. This one that came out in 2016. And then within a couple of years, I met Charlie. There you go. And so did you, uh, I, I, I never did think to ask, like, I mean, uh, uh, again, I get caught up in all the rest of the details about stuff. So how did you and Charlie actually meet each other to work together? Well, we actually met um, Ground Up Music, which is that label I was just talking about. They have a, a yearly festival in Miami in February. So I've performed at it a few times. Charlie performed at it once or twice. Um, and we met at that festival a few years ago just to be like, hey, you know, well, we were friends in common, you know, what's up, what's up. And then I was in between booking agents and somebody said, you should call Charlie because he really knows a lot about touring. So I just called him and I was doing my own thing, you know, and I said, hey, you don't really know me, but, you know, can you, you know, talk to me about the touring world? And I'm just trying to break into certain markets and things like that. And he is so veteran uh tour guy that he has a very different perspective than me on it but also than a lot of people because he's just so experienced and he's just like okay bye honey bye dog i'm going to get in the car and drive myself for the next two months and i'll see you when i see but it but and he's done that for you know years where um i had done smaller pockets you know and i just started coming to europe a little bit but i was um so i had a lot of questions for him about how it really worked if i wanted to be even more self-independent or or self-sufficient you know so we talked for a while he was so nice and then we had um then i get this call from a mutual friend andy herwitz who used to be at ground up music and he texted me he said hey i have this i was talking to charlie and his he was working with this girl um silvana estrada from mexico who Charlie had been working with her beautiful singer, writer, oh, yeah. player. That record is and so good too. So gorgeous. And he had, she had tried three times to get her visa, um, uh, to get a visa, to get into the U S to do tours with him for the mm -hmm. record that they did together that she got denied like three times, just so insane. And that was really heartbreaking, I think for both of them. So she was supposed to be here in time for one of their tours and she couldn't make it in. And he had like a three week tour plan. So he called me last minute and just said, can you do this thing? Be here in four days. We'll figure out the set. And I was like, yeah, cool. I had to change a few things and it all worked. And um, so we basically for the next four days went back and forth with blues tunes. He's like, you like the blues. I like the blues. Um, you know, just let's just go back and forth with, um, you know, what we, uh, what we, uh, you know, what we know he's, you know, so right. we basically, um, put that together. I flew out to New Jersey on like a Tuesday and we had a rehearsal the next day with Keita Ogawa, who's percussion player. And he was a percussion player is a percussion player in snarky, but him and Charlie had a cool thing. Right. We rehearsed for a couple hours the next day. 
And then we drew, we drove to our gig two hours away in deep Jersey somewhere. And we just sort of, and that was the first of many of like a few weeks. So that was really fun. That was so different for me because I'd been used to touring with a big, um, big, uh, big bands, at least a quintet, uh, you know, quartet quintet. And this is the first time it was like drums. And then this guy who plays bass and guitar wrapped into, into one and then me. So I learned a lot about space in that time. And Charlie always says that space is the fourth musician who you don't have to pay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, God. it's like, you Hallelujah. know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So uh, where, something like that. So where were you at at that time? And I just asked this out of my own curiosity because I, I, I don't know. Where were mm-hmm. you at at that time right before you and Charlie started doing this stuff? Like you were talking about touring with certain bands and, and, and having a backing band and things like that. Were you still just marketed? You were you were booked as yourself, like solo singer with a backing band? Yeah, I yeah. was a solo artist and I had been working with... Um, a couple of different agents in Europe and in the US. I lived in LA. Um, I'd moved to LA in 2009. And so I'd been working there as a as a singer. All my tours were out of there. And gotcha. I, again, they were smaller tours, like me in a van driving up the West Coast or going to the East Coast and having an East Coast band and driving up and down the East Coast and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's expensive. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know? definitely. Yeah, that's there's no money making on that. But I no. was like, I need to do, you know, it's just how do I do this? And I couldn't just like live in that world. So Charlie, Charlie, he kind of taught me how to do it the right way. I just yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. Still, when we talk, I still learn so much from him. Oh, I, I, whenever I talk to any of you guys, I learn something new every time that that is either from experience or from just learning something about you but i mean i mm-hmm. i i learn a lot you know talking to you guys because i the, that's the crazy thing i was literally talking to a producer this morning on a session that i had early this morning you know about the fact of how we have a lot of talent in my town heavy hitter talent in my town and it's just happened like i'm i'm born and raised here i'm 53 i went to school for five years in another town you know but i'm i've just been here i haven't gone Mm -hmm. i haven't gone to other towns you know searching for my career or anything like that it just sort of that i have a studio and it just sort of ended up that there's a lot of there's a lot of you know musical connections that i can that i can make from the people that 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 are here that have moved here which is crazy Mm -hmm. and then you know that that reaches out to so many other people that that aren't here, you know, and so I mm-hmm. learn I learn a lot from those guys because and sure. and from you because of where because of the experience that you've had and where you've been and where you've toured and 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 all mm. that stuff. So um, so yeah. tell me about your I know I'm not going to keep you much longer at all. Tell me about your um, your vocal stuff that you've been doing as far as your you've been doing some workshops online. Oh I yeah, know, and I want to talk about that because I know that's what you're currently doing and i know that i've seen that you've done some you've done some like some like one-off gigs here and there but tell me oh my god your... well 2020 was really insane because i i live in the netherlands netherlands so i'm in rotterdam and because i have a european agent i'm able some of these borders were still open and they were still able to play in venues and um play festivals i wasn't able to tour but in 2020 i did have a 
about eight or nine gigs I in Poland or Croatia or Italy or whatever. And, um, and I did for fly in masked, you know, fly home kind of thing with my band. I have a band here. I have a trio, me plus trio. And so I was able to work and, um, and that was very interesting because they're not normal shows. There's like 50 people, it's maximum capacity and, you know, that sort of thing. But I also, in this year off, I went to Dutch school to learn how to speak Dutch. I, <laughs> um, I know it's kind of funny. It's, it was my first language actually, but um, it's a very difficult language. The grammar is through the roof hard. I'm like, it's right. so hard. But um, so I was doing that. And then I learned to record myself a little better. And so I'm learning logic and there are just things that, you know, uh, stuff, to make yourself know what the heck you're doing. So I've been doing a lot of writing and um, I do I do some writing from afar, recording myself. Um, I've sung in a couple of soundtracks and some backgrounds for people, just people who I love um, or uh, collaborate with. Like um, I worked with uh, Dante, uh, Charlie's. Oh yeah. Charlie's artist. So yeah. we have a little duet coming out actually. So I got to sing that from afar. We haven't met, but we, I can't wait to meet him. When yeah. They he's a, a good, duet. he's a good kid. He's really good. good. I call him a good kid. So, Everybody's a kid compared to me. So yeah, I, uh, no, he's, uh, he's a good, egg. I'll say he's a good egg. Yes. But, he's a good, yes. Um, he's a good egg. So that, that's cool. I didn't know that you had a duet on that too. We tracked, yeah. we actually tracked some of that stuff that is being used to loop, um, He's sampling, you know, a ton. You know, a lot of it's just just sample stuff, and I think we tracked, we tracked the beginnings of that in here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Charlie is playing drums and you mm -hmm. know doing his thing, and and I think bass and guitar, and maybe some percussion, you know, for them to be able to sample. So that's cool. I don't mm -hmm. know you were on that too. Yeah, I mean, we. I think I'm on like one of the singles. I think so, um, and then. We are then I've just been doing that and I'm um, next by the time this podcast come comes out, I will be let me just think about that. Well, I'll just say I'm going to make my next solo record in America. So I'll come back. Watch and out. so by the time this record, by the time this podcast come out, I will be whenever that is. I will be on my way. I don't really know the timing of it all, but I'm going to go make a solo record which i'm not really talking about much so forget i even brought it up <laughs> hey that's okay so you're saying we <laughs> have it we have a sneak peek and i have like i have uh classified intel as to what's happening intel. in the lucy woodward world so basically right now i'm just kind of i'll just sit for it like this i am now making sure that i wake up and work on my own material like an hour or two every morning organizing my files grooves thoughts song titles everything that i've been working on all year putting them into a folder and I'm working with a couple of people, amazing people in America. So I'll, I'll go, I'll go back in May and uh, record an album. Awesome. 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 Well, so I guess that I'm looking at the clock here and it's like, man, I am keeping you a oh long my God, time. It's and I really and do. I have to go uh, to, I act. Yeah. Oh, you know what I didn't mention, which I actually have to go do. I am doing these courses that you, the workshops for singers. That's, yeah, I'm bring and it up because you asked. That's really, really fun. Can they find out? Do one can people find out about all that at your website or the course links and yes, all that? Okay, that would be awesome. Yep. So, 
Um, they're not all the time, so they're seasonal, but I, I work with a lot of, not a lot, but I work with a few students for um, like coaching private. Um, that's really fun because it's so personal, but I do a lot of um, courses through the 92nd Street Y. And so whenever there is one, anybody can just go to my website and see if there's a, there's, there's one that I'm in the middle of now. And the next one I think is going to be July. So um, anyway, it's cool. It's really all levels of singers and it's, it's and are these like Skype zoom type things or are they all in person? No, no, not nothing's in person. Nothing's in person. It's all. Okay. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And that can all be found at your website, which is lucywoodward.com, correct? That is it, sir. Awesome. And I will probably just have your website running the whole time and this whole video thing maybe in a corner there, not to self-promote you, but hey, you got to- Whatever you got to do. That's what you got to do. So I want to thank you for Thank coming you, on today and it's so good to see your face and to hear your voice and to you talk too. to you your hair looks great <laughs> and i've that been wearing so a red funny. bandana all last week i wore a red bandana oh. every day and i almost wore it today which is so watch out look at that right there i still you know the crazy thing is we are um i have three almost four out of I have three out of four in my family fully vaccinated both shots. My baby boy has one more to get. And it's crazy because when Charlie came in here last week to do his podcast and another um, friend of mine I work with on a regular basis uh, is fully vaccinated, it was it was so bizarre to not we didn't we didn't we we kept our six feet, but we didn't wear masks around each other. And it was bizarre. Because yeah. that was that was sort of like, you know, we had come to a realization a point that we're turning a corner and this thing is changing and, and it's uh and, and we I've I've been diligent about it and and you know, luckily have have stayed away from it the whole time and um and it's crazy because you don't realize how much that mask stays on your face when you're diligent about it and until until you can take it off and work around somebody and it and it was it was a really it was a really bizarre feeling but it was kind of cool you know so but anyway i just want to thank you again so 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 much and um and everybody thanks for having me yep and i'll keep you posted with all this other music stuff coming out soon and i'll get you those videos awesome um yeah, when they come in. Yeah, basically. and the videos. By the time we by the time we air this podcast, everybody, the videos I should be able in this in this um, in the end of this YouTube video to be able to put a link to the ones that have been released at this time. Release date for the new record again is new record. The whole album is June eleventh. June eleventh, and that's on all the usual suspects, right? Spotify, Apple mm-hmm. Music, everything the like whole that. Shenanigans, right all the right shenanigans. on. So. I will see you again, hopefully soon. It's so great to see I you. I hope so and too. You too. And I'll send you, you this man. audio file awesome. right now. Awesome. Thanks, Benji. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. See, what did I tell you? Told you it was going to be a cool episode, right? Cool and super, super groovy. You know why? Because this is Conversations in Groove. Check it out on our Earth Tones official YouTube channel and on all of your podcast apps. I'm Benji Johnson. I am your host, and I will be your host every week for Conversations in Groove live right here from Earth Tones Recording Studio.